0: Welcome to the Break Your Bullshit Box podcast where excuses aren't tolerated and results are earned through authenticity, vulnerability, and a commitment to excellence. My name is Amber Furman, success architect, attorney, and NLP trainer. If you're ready to bitch slap the bully in your brain, overcome the bullshit that holds you back, and design the life and success you've always wanted, then it's time for you to break your bullshit box and step into designing life and success on your terms. Welcome back to another episode of the Break Your Bullshit Box podcast. On this episode, I interviewed Tomo Majarvanek, he is an acclaimed entrepreneur and certified advanced bioidentical hormone replacement therapy specialist. Well, that's a lot to say. He founded Aspire Rejuvenation Clinic, a renowned institution earning 4.35 million in 2022 and 1.44 million in quarter one of 2023. Recognized for leading edge preventative and regenerative medical solutions, Tomo's expertise earned him the 2020 and 2021 Top 100 Healthcare Visionary Award and a keynote role at the 2022 Health 2.0 Conference in Dubai. Commended by figures like Patrick Bet David, he has always ventured into the uh, he has also ventured into the automotive sector with Adler Resinsport exemplifying his diverse entrepreneur entrepreneurial acumen. Listen, this episode, listen, we go off the rails just a little bit. Um, and it was so Fantastic. In addition to what he's doing now, Tomo has a background of the law enforcement world. So we really dug into the law enforcement world, criminal defense world, both sides of the coin. More importantly, we dug into what he learned as a law enforcement officer that has Made him a better entrepreneur? What was it that he learned in skill set that made him a good cop that also makes him a good entrepreneur? He's working on a book that he talks about in this episode called From LEO to CEO. And I think one of the things that highlights the most about this is the reality that we have so many different experiences that prepare us for future opportunities. We just don't always recognize them. So I'm really, really excited to dig into this episode with Tomo. We go a little bit off the rails when it comes to hormone discussion because let's be real, we've all faced it and I've been open about my experiences with it as well. We Neither of us are doctors, so take that with a grain of salt. It's our experiences in what has worked and what hasn't. So I'm excited to dig into this conversation with Tomo. Before we do, I want to remind you that the Break Your Bullshit Box Academy is open for enrollment. This is something that I've been working on for the last six months to create a place where business owners and entrepreneurs or aspiring business owners and entrepreneurs can really start to understand their success mindset. Who are you and what created that identity that you hold? What are the things that you believe that may or may not be true about your ability to be successful? How do we work through and shift those things while also looking at the practical skill sets like goal setting and calendaring and time management and all of those things that go into being successful in our life and business? If this sounds like something that you are interested in, head over to solutions Check out the information on the academy there. There's a spot to book a link on my calendar or book a call on my calendar if you have any additional questions about whether it's a good fit for you. Let's make 2024 the best year that we possibly can. I'm confident that there are tools and resources in that course that will allow you to do that. Without further ado, let's jump into this interview with Tomo. Tomo, thanks so much for coming on the show with me today. I'm really excited for this conversation.
1: Thank you so much. We have a lot of synergy uh, in our backgrounds with uh, what we can talk about. I'm excited for it.
0: Yeah, I'm so stoked for it. And it's always interesting to me because people think that when attorneys run into law enforcement personnel or when law enforcement runs into attorneys that there's this constant battle and we hate each other. At the same time, though, like you guys are the only ones that understand the bullshit we deal with on a regular basis. So we've got the shared battle experiences.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know what? I, I would love battling defense attorneys in court when I was in law enforcement. Um, but it was fun. It was like, a, it was like joust, you know what I mean? Like you're shaking hands after though, you know, it's yeah. like who won? who won the joust, you know? And, and I love when attorneys, you know, I love when I, I hate when I messed up, obviously, the yes. attorneys won. but then I love when the attorneys couldn't win. They're like, Hey, report was perfect. Like yeah. good job. You know what I mean? Like I couldn't pick it apart. I'm like, all right, sweet. You know? So it was kind of like a, it was an odd camaraderie. We were always, um, we were always at odds, right? But yeah. it wasn't a bad thing. It wasn't negative. It was more like, we're kind of on the same side, but in an adversarial kind of way, it was pretty cool.
0: Yeah. You know, I can't tell you how many times I would have an officer get off the stand and I'd just look at him and be like, thanks for giving me nothing to work with, asshole.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> you're kind of just like, yeah.
0: Yeah. Exactly. How long were you in law enforcement?
1: Uh, just shy of 12 years.
0: Okay. So you, you, that's where I'm at in the legal industry. How, well, I'll get to that question in a minute. Funny story for you. A really good friend of mine did drug task force stuff in Atlanta Mm -hmm. and, my background is in criminal defense and immigration, and he was on the drug task force for this law enforcement in um, Atlanta. And for a long time, we had a podcast planned called Law and Border, and we were just going to sit there and go back and forth between the immigration attorney. And so so I get it. I, I like it. How um, far before you actually made the shift from getting out of law enforcement, did you start to feel like it was no longer in alignment with your future?
1: You know, it was something that I heard a lot from sergeants, lieutenants, just uh, upper staff. I never got promoted. I always had a problem with authority. Typical entrepreneur, right? So, you know, I was always sometimes uh,
0: typical law enforcement as well, and attorney. True.
1: true yeah. So I had I had a problem with authority. I had a problem with um, not being able to question certain things. So taking mm-hmm. orders that not go well in my brain, especially when they didn't make sense to me. You know, and some orders in law enforcement don't really make sense. They're they're kind of silly. I always heard from the sergeants and lieutenants that I did get along with. You're a little too smart for this job. Like, you really <laughs> probably shouldn't be in this career. More than a couple sergeants and lieutenants told me that, which is a compliment. But, you know, you don't know if they're blowing smoke up your ass or not. You, yeah. know, you know, they could just be being nice to you. Uh, so I started thinking about it probably, I would say year nine, you know, towards the end of my career. So we're talking two thousand. 15, um right around there. So 2015, I left in 2018. So 2015, uh, the climate in law enforcement was not very good. If you've been in the legal, yeah, it's it's not good. It hasn't been good for a while, but uh, right. it, got, it got worse and worse, right? So the job became very negative. Everything became very racially driven. Um, it was very hard. It's not, I, mean, I hate even saying it out loud. I hate saying this, what I'm about to say out loud. I hate saying it. It was hard to be a white male cop mm. in the industry. It was hard because you're, you're, you're sexist, you're racist, you're this, you're privileged. You're, I'm like, dude, I'm just trying to do my job. I'm just trying mm. to work. I'm trying to arrest bad guys. That's what, my, that's what I was here for. Right? So the job got very stale for me. It got very negative for me. I was being told I was doing things wrong that I couldn't get like, I'm gonna, I'll stop harassing this community. Like the drug dealers, like that community? Like you want me to stop doing that? The only reason why I'm here? You want me to stop doing my job? Okay. You know, and it just became I'm what I was like, all right, well, they don't want us to do our jobs. Oh but they want to still do traffic stops, right? They don't want us to do our jobs, they want to still do traffic stops and, and get revenue and
0: Well, that's where the money's at.
1: Yeah. I, I listen, I could probably uh, in Florida, in, in in Ohio it was different. Ohio, I had a I had Route 90. So in, in Cleveland, I had route ninety. it so was traffic interdiction all the time. But we were always pulling people over whether it was a DUI or we're looking for drugs. That's that's the only reason we're pulling anybody over. Mm-hmm. We're looking for dope, um, or we're looking for uh DUIs. Easy and it's yeah you know, that was that was a fun part of it. But in Clearwater in Florida, I could maybe count on both hands and both feet how many tickets I wrote in almost seven years. Yeah, you know. I was not a guy writing tickets. I was acting like I did up in Cleveland. I was looking for dope. I didn't want to hem people up with a three hundred dollar traffic ticket. People can't afford that shit. You yeah. know how am I going to do that to somebody who just got off work? You know, working a nine to five. I'm going to hem them up for going twelve miles over the speed limit. You're out of your mind. Yeah. You no, know, I'm, I'm not doing it. So yeah. find revenue somewhere else. So again, I had a problem with that authority, and the job got stale, and I started just talking to friends. And uh, eventually it ended up just progressing to hey, man, you got to start thinking about moving on. Um, I tried to leave the agency, and you'll understand when I say tried. I tried to leave the agency and went, uh, try to go to the FBI. I was like, FBI will be better. It's not, but I, I tried to go there. So I try to go to the FBI um, instead of the city thing, get there, it breeze through everything. I mean, like the the panel interview that you do for the FBI. Most people have to do it three times. Passed the first try. No problem. It was like a handshake. You're in, bro. You're done. I had the physical test to do, which is easy, you know? So that's all I had left to do. And then out of nowhere, I get like four or five internal investigation, internal Mm. affairs investigation charges against me. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? I found out that the FBI tried to verify my employment. Mm. I don't know if you know this about law enforcement and fire, obviously. I have firefighters that are friends that did the exact same thing. When you try to move up and move out, they will try to pin you in the agency. They will try to ruin your exit. I didn't even know that was a thing.
0: I didn't know it was a thing, but it doesn't surprise me. And here's why Um, I talk about this often with people that the circle that got you to where you are in your life is not the circle that's going to get you to where you wanna go. And what happens is when you start to change and grow, everybody who's listening to this podcast can relate to that one person that you thought had your back. Okay. And then you start improving, you start changing, you start a business and all of a sudden they're like, what the fuck do you think you're doing? Like, who do you think you are to do this? And and it comes from the fact that they don't feel like they can change and they'll be damned if you're going to leave. And, and it's not always intentional. It's that you've become so much of their identity that if you change, it validates the mediocrity that's within them yeah. and you think they can't let you do that. Highlight?
1: You, you think it like highlights how inadequate they really feel?
0: Yeah, well, I think it, it puts it in front of them like a mirror, right? Like when you're in your cesspool of mediocrity together, you got, you got a friend, you got a buddy, you're good. Like it's you against the world. And yeah. when that buddy's like, man, this just isn't cutting it for me anymore. I wanna do something different than that person's left alone. And since they can't possibly be the problem, it must be the rest of the world.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know,
0: and and so I didn't know that. And it doesn't surprise me.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it was a weird thing to me, too. And people started to tell me about it after it happened. Man, I was pissed. I was pissed. I'm yeah, like, right. these guys ruined my exit to go do what I wanted to do in my career. Blessing in disguise. Just so Yeah. Really, you know?
0: That's what I was just going to say is, like, how cool is it? Um, That you got that opportunity because I'm sure that you could have had this fantastic career and retired in the FBI and been great. And then look at what you have built that you wouldn't have if that would have been the case.
1: Oh, this is one thing that I say all the time. I, I, you know, at, at the point at that time, that was like the worst thing that could have happened. Right. So all these worst things that could have happened. I always say the worst things that ever happened to me are usually the best things that ever happened to me you know yeah. that that job you didn't get or that place you got fired from or that relationship that failed or x x x x all these scenarios that we have in our lives you know outside of a horrible situation a family member dying or a sickness or something like that but like the things that happen in a daily life work stuff life stuff relationship stuff it almost always ends up being a blessing you always end up coming out better and if yeah. anybody actually evaluates that in their life Anybody listening to this, actually, takes a second. They can even pause this podcast for a second and be like, "Oh shit, it's right. Everything actually did get better after all these failures, right?" Yeah. Uh, I, I never, I never thought of anything as a real failure. You feel it for a second, but I look at, I look at winning and losing in a different way. I don't look at. I, I've never said I lost anything. I've, I've won or I learned.
0: Yeah. You know and it's it's really interesting because I can relate to this so much. Um when I was in law school I was this bleeding heart lover of all things justice and I was convinced that I was going to be a part of like solving the world's underrepresentation problem in a public defenders office where you have Limited resources and too many cases. And specifically, I wanted in law school to work on capital cases and represent people that were charged with death penalty offenses um, that couldn't afford to hire their own attorney. I moved to Las Vegas and interned at the public defender's office, and I got the opportunity to observe one capital case that resulted in a death penalty sentence and i remember thinking man what am i signing up for like this is a whole different animal i still went through the application process to get into the public defender's office and i applied three times it's very competitive here in vegas i didn't get the job and i remember feeling devastated by it and i look back now and i'm like i probably would have had Um, a great life as a public defender. I probably would have retired. I'd have no student loans. I'd be good Mm -hmm. to go. Um, Could go on and do whatever I want but look at all the things I wouldn't have. Like I get called all the time by people that say, Hey, you know, will you come be a prosecutor here? Will you come do this? And I'm like, if it makes me have to give up the podcasting, the coaching, the speaking, all the things, then no, I won't. There's not a number on that. And I never would have known that if I had gotten the thing that I wanted most out of law school. So I can totally relate to that.
1: Yeah. It's, it's just a, it's just a perspective shift that people just don't really look at. Um, You know, and then after the FBI thing fell through, I was talking to a buddy of mine and I, you know, while I was in law enforcement, I was bodybuilding. I was a competitive bodybuilder since I was like 17 years old, Um, loved health, loved fitness. uh, And I became kind of an autodidact in hormones, endocrine systems, the way the body processed. Which is actually a funny story. Uh, I told my bodybuilding coach when I was 18 years old, 19 years old. I said, hey, I want to be Mr. Olympia. I want to be a professional bodybuilder. Young kid, idiot, right? So you're 18, 19 years old. You don't know anything. So I'm telling the guy, and I said, I know that I need to take a bunch of steroids to do this. So how do I do that? Hmm. He says, I know. Crazy thing to say. I was very aware. I was very aware of what needed to happen. So he says, you're not going to take anything, but we will check your labs. We'll check your blood work. And we will see what your testosterone is. And if you need more, then we'll talk about it. This is in like two thousand three, two thousand four. Nobody's doing this shit. This is this is nobody's doing this. So yeah, he sets it up. He helps me out. I get a lab test done, and my natural total testosterone level comes back at like fourteen hundred and seventy nanograms per deciliter. Now that is way, way, way above normal. The normal range like ends at like nine hundred to thousand. So I'm at almost fifteen hundred. The doctor that actually pulled the labs for me accused me of taking steroids, and I was like. Hmm. I'm not taking steroids. So that's, that's really good. That's a good sign. So I go and tell my bodybuilding coach and I said, here's the levels. He's like, listen, you're basically naturally on steroids. This is how your hormone should be at this point. So I said, okay, but when it starts going low, you know, we're going to, we're going to go after it. Right. 18, 19 years old. again. So he's like, yeah, what, (laughs) you know, he's whatever. Yeah. We're going to do that. So from that moment on, and this was before the internet is what the internet now is right. I'm finding every research manual, every book, everything I can find on anabolic steroids, bodybuilding, hormones, endocrine system, how your body processes food, dietitian uh, books, everything you can think of. So I become kind of like an expert in this field. While I'm in law enforcement, the entire time, I'm always studying this stuff. I love this stuff, right? So uh, at about 31, maybe 30 years old, 31 years old, After working almost a decade on midnight shift, I start feeling a little weird. Mm -hmm. Starts to happen for me. So after working midnight shift, my testosterone starts to dip. I feel it. I'm like, sex drive is getting low, starting to gain a little bit of belly fat, um, really low on motivation, start to have a little bit of stress and anxiety, a little bit of depressive symptoms. And I'm like, I know what this shit is. I studied this. Let's go. Let's go get tested. Try to go to a normal doctor. Hmm. I end up coming back in like the mid 600s, which is in normal range. Okay. So I get in a normal range mode with this doctor. He says, well, I can't prescribe you anything. So then I find a different clinic. And I said, listen, I have historical data. My normal natural optimal level is closer to 1500. I'm literally more than cut in half right now. This is why I feel like crap. This doctor prescribes me all of my issues self-correct because I optimize my testosterone. That's my introduction to the hormone therapy field. So fast forward, I'm, past FBI thing. And I look at my buddy and I'm like, I got to find something to get the hell out of here. They're, they're trying, they won't even let me leave. if I want to. And, uh, these IAs ended up, uh, you know, going out the window bullshit, of course. Um, but before that happened, my buddy says, he's like, why don't you go work for that clinic that you're friends with the owner? The one that's doing your TRT. I'm like, what am I going to do? He's like, <laughs> he's like, you got a good social media platform. You know about all this stuff. Why don't you see if he needs sales and marketing person? So, okay. I go and I asked the guy and I was like, you need a sales and marketing person. He's like, actually, I do. Uh, do you have anybody in mind? I told him, me. He's like, you're a cop. What are you talking about? I started having a conversation with him. He's like, all right, what do you want? How much money do you want? I said, match my police salary. Stupid mistake, by the way. Yeah. I, should
0: have said that. <laughs> I mean, if anybody out there thinks that police officers do it to get rich, they're out of their mind.
1: No. So I said, match my police salary. I'm not even thinking about health insurance, my <laughs> overtime, all of my extra pay. I'm like, I am shot myself in the foot there. So I give him my piece of paper with my police salary. He chuckled and he said, Deal. And I'm like, all right, you know. So I didn't know any better. I didn't know sales and marketing person probably. First tip banned.
0: of negotiation, right? First lesson of negotiation right there.
1: I was in a desperate place, right? So, you know, but this is what happened. So I go and uh, they clear my eyes out. I uh, I tell the chief, you know, they're like, he's like, hey, I want to retain you, whatever, and, you know. Well, we'll don't worry, this is not going to be anything. We'll fast track you. We'll get you, you know, into FTO, sergeant, whatever. They try to butter up, butter you up a little bit, right after they after they put you down. I said, here's my resignation. My FOP guy was pissed. <laughs> so I leave there a week later. I start at that clinic. I end up building that clinic from. 700 patients to almost 4,000 in nine months. Wow! Just based off social media. There's organic social media, Facebook groups talking about the medications. That's it. Just I, I was I was just hammered. Became part owner of that clinic. He gave me 20% equity, 21% equity, I think. Uh, and I think it was in May or June of 2018. No, 2019. I got paid basically what ended up being half my police salary in one month.
0: Wow.
1: I was crying my eyes. I've never seen that much money on a check in my life. You know, I didn't grow up wealthy, anything. I, we grew up very poor. Uh, so, you know, I'm, I'm in a place now where I'm making more money than I ever have in my life. And then I get the rug pulled out from under me. Oh, and no. I can't talk too much about it because there's still some things happening with that from a legal standpoint. But I basically find out that the owner of this clinic, who is my you know perceived friend, And uh, who I thought was doing all the right things is doing a lot of very illegal things behind my back in the company. My industry is very dirty. I'm not sure if you're aware of how my industry works.
0: I'm, you know, it's, I have a love-hate relationship with the hormone field to begin with. Not necessarily your industry, more the um, black and white of going to a traditional... I chuckled when you said you went to a traditional doctor because I've um, struggled with hormone levels my entire life. Sure. And um, you go to a traditional doctor and all they tell you is, let's medicate you. You go to a homeopathic doctor and all they tell you is take this herb that I got from China and there's no in between. Right. Um, And then you add to that the complete lack of understanding about how everything works in relationship to hormones and your sleep and your diet and your exercise and what type of exercise and all of this stuff. And then you add on to it the stories that you hear from the industry behind and that lack of trust just goes completely out the window.
1: Yeah, unfortunately, the the industry is so dirty. Um, you know, there's so much uh, underground anabolic steroid sales in this. There's overdosing from certain medical clinics, which those are crap clinics. You know, but let's talk about like the endocrinology and urology, like the real mm-hmm. the real clinics are doing that stuff. The problem with them is that they're trained and educated by big pharma. Mm-hmm. What does big pharma teach doctors to do? They teach make them money. to teach them to make money. They teach them to be a Band-Aid operation and treat only the symptom, not the actual underlying problem. So oftentimes, they're not pulling adequate labs. Oftentimes, they're not looking at what could be an underlying condition, um, cascading over. I mean, I can't even explain to you how many patients, female patients we have. And we have several thousand uh, currently under our care that we discover that they've had PCOS for however many years. Polycystic ovarian syndrome is a huge problem mm-hmm. right now. Uh, so these women have PCOS, and they said, "You know, I thought I had that. I've been reading about it, and the doctors told me no, 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 a thousand times." And we're like, "Well, did they check this, this, this?" Well, we'll no.
0: There's a fantastic book, and this is actually where my journey kind of started in the hormone world because I, I first found out that I had um, a thyroid hormone imbalance when God, it would have been like 2012. I got, I went to a new doctor, and she just ran a full panel. Sure. She's like your thyroid's kind of high let's put you on this medication. I'm like that's like that's not the way I, I roll. Like I don't use medication as a band-aid. Um yeah. and I remember like I I had struggled with my weight most of my life and my mom looked at me after that appointment and she says, "Well, maybe this is why you're having a hard time losing weight." And I'm like, "Don't give me like it might be, but don't mm-hmm. give me an excuse." cheeseburgers are the reason that I'm having a hard time losing weight. Like, let's be real about the problem. Um, well, see, that's, that's really
1: good that you did that. And, and you assess that because, you know, there's two different types of patients that will come into a clinic like mine. Right. Um, it'll be that person that said, I have been literally trying everything and I still can't lose weight. And then there's a the person that's like, well, I haven't really done any lifestyle corrections and I haven't really tried, yeah. but I have a weight problem.
0: I'm like, do you have a weight problem or do you You have have a weight weight problem or do you have a discipline problem, right? Like I have a a discipline discipline problem. problem. So, I mean, for me, it was like I was never going to let anybody medicate me until Mm -hmm. I felt like I was doing everything that I was supposed to do. And that's great, except the energy levels that go wrong with a hormone imbalance make it really difficult to do everything that you're supposed to do, right? So what do I do? I go find this exercise that I love thinking I'm doing something great. Now, I didn't find it for weight loss purposes. I found it because I was an emotional wreck and needed something to like release all my shit. Um, mm-hmm. But I found obstacle course racing and I loved it. And I started running inter- endurance races. I ran World's Toughest Mudder in 2017, did cool. 40 miles over um, 24 hours and, and it. loved it. And then my hormones got even more out of whack. And I find this amazing book, called the thyroid connection. And I find out that one of the first questions that she asks people that come in our office is, have you ever done CrossFit? Have you done ever done obstacle course racing? And have you ever done heavy weightlifting? Because the stress that puts on your body fucks with your thyroid. Yep. And when it's already out of whack. And so I, I say all of this to say that neither of us are doctors. You're very well more versed in this than I am. I just want people to understand that the answers that you're getting from one person doesn't necessarily mean that that's the way that it has to be because they have letters after their name and $300,000 in student loans. Like there are conversations and what works for me isn't necessarily going to work for somebody else and what works for you. So when I found out I was livid when I found out that almost all doctors in traditional medicine only run a quarter of the panels that need to be ran in order to figure out a hormone imbalance. And I'm like, you wanted to medicate me with a quarter of the information. It drove me absolutely nuts. so the 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 legal disclaimer that the attorney in me needs to give is neither of us are doctors and also when you do go to your doctor understand that you need to know what you're asking for because this blind advice and the people we're supposed to trust like, I have my own feelings about big pharma. I just don't say I'm in a place that lives forever.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm (laughs) I'm very outspoken on big pharma, big medicine, big food, they're all linked by the way. I don't Mm -hmm. know if people realize that, you know.
0: Have you seen the videos of the people that are going into social media, like, or they're going into um, grocery stores up and down um, aisles of the grocery store. And like, they'll go to, for example, the salad dressing aisle. And they'll look at all the differences and then they will go down a rabbit hole of finding out who owns the company name oh, and they cool. color them out to say, these are the big three yep. that own. And there's only like one or two brands that are not owned by the big three big food companies.
1: Oh yeah. And the big food companies are owned by the same big corporations that own the big pharma companies. So that'll yeah. really- I mean,
0: you and I could do a whole like 17 hour episode on the things that are wrong with big pharma and big, big food. Um, And I think it's important for people to know. So while we're on this topic, if somebody's listening and they're sitting in their car screaming, I've begged somebody to listen to me say that I don't feel normal. What are the things that they should be looking for when they go talk to their GP? And what are the things that they should be asking for and, and I'm a big believer that if you ask your doctor to do something and they say no without giving you an explanation, then it's time Fire for you them. to find a new doctor. Them. So what yeah. should people be asking for?
1: Yeah, so you know I have a I have a, a list of things to ask for in labs. I always tell everybody you know blood work, laboratory work from a doctor that's that's the window to your health. That tells you really what's going on. People don't realize how important it is and we should be doing it every year. Um, patients at clinics like mine and no, I'm not a doctor. But we employ doctors and, and nurse practitioners. Mm-hmm. I just structured the business from a non-medical professional standpoint, which is why we kind of have our philosophies the way we do. We are extremely patient-centric, we are extremely holistic-centric. We do prescribe medications, but they are never to just band-aid treat certain symptoms. So if you go into if you go into a doctor's office, any doctor office, you need to get a full panel of labs. So your question is going to be, what is a full panel of labs, right? because if you go and ask a doctor, 10 different doctors will give you 10 different answers most likely. Or they will give you unfortunately the same answer and they'll probably just pull a CMP and a CBC and that's all they're going to pull, you know. <laughs> if you ask them to check hormones, they might check TSH. Which is going yeah. to Yeah, that's yeah, that's
0: all they checked for me. And I mean, I would honestly like unless your insurance is yeah. the one that's blocking it and if it is, like fork out the money for cash out labs. Um Unless your insurance is saying no, your doctor isn't paying for these labs. You are. So yeah. your doctor might look at you and be like, you don't need those labs. I appreciate that you don't think that I need them, but I want them. So tell me what my insurance will pay for and I'll cash pay the rest.
1: Well, think about it. Think about what think about what you are asking for from a doctor. You're asking them, well, I want you to check all my hormones. Why would you want to do that? Because doctors really know that a lot of these hormones will fix a lot of your problems because they cascade from a hormone dec- declination or they cascade from a hormone problem. You know, yeah, but
0: it's so emotion, or it's so much easier to say that men are just angry and women are just emotional.
1: Ah, it's it's. You know what? I, I will tell you right now that if you look at men and women in general, when do women get uh, their most emotional, angry, irritated self? Post menopause, right? Mm-hmm. When do men get the exact same way? Post andropause, male menopause. So the same age range, forties to fifties. Men are supposed to be. It's actually much earlier now for men because of all the toxicity in our environment. But, uh, you know, what's happening? Our hormones are declining. Our sex hormones, major sex hormones are declining. When your major sex hormones decline, all of your other hormones decline with it. You start having cascading problems. You don't see healthy, normal, average 20 year olds with blood pressure issues, with cholesterol issues. Usually without mental health issues, you know, uh, a few generations past, our hormones were all optimal. We felt mm-hmm. like rock stars. Everything worked, right? Now, you look at everybody in their 40s and 50s, what happens? We start to gain body fat. We start to have sagging skin. We start to lose some hair. We start to have more depression, anxiety. Um, they used to call uh, uh, men's uh, midlife crisis, right? Yeah. So, what's a man's midlife crisis? Well, they go buy a Corvette, they disor—they uh, divorce their wife, and they go find some sexy new girlfriend. Did they need to do that, or did they just have a hormone problem? I'm right. going to bet they had a testosterone declination. They're trying to make themselves feel better.
0: Yeah. So- no, I 100% agree with you. And then, you know, we dig into this a lot because um, I, I'm a trainer for NLP, and we talk about the mind-body connection so much. Oh. And that's the other thing, too, is that, like, psychologically, when we label ourselves with something, we become that thing, which is why I never say that I have a thyroid disorder ever. My hormones might be out of balance because of something that's going on with my thyroid, but I don't have a thyroid disorder. I don't. and sure. I will never own that label. Um, it's also why it bothers me when people say, well, I have anxiety, I have depression. I have, no, you don't. You have human feelings that the world has told you that you're not supposed to feel because that makes you like weak, like stop owning the labels. So I feel like what's happened is like, it's become cool in today's day and age to have ADHD and to talk about your anxiety and talk about your depression. And I agree that there's a way those things need to get out of your head, Sure. But when we take on those labels, it affects everything in our body, including our heart, our hormones. Mm-hmm. And then we say, well, but why don't I feel good? Well, you don't feel good because you wake up in the morning. And the first thing that you say is this is going to be a shit day because I have anxiety, depression, ADHD and a thyroid problem. Yeah.
1: I mean, your self-talk is super important. I'm, I'm big on it. Now, when it comes to chemical issues, like if you like if you have a thyroid, if you have a thyroid uh, adenoma, if you have a thyroid uh benign tumor if you had to have your thyroid removed you should be on thyroid therapy Mm -hmm. there's a problem something happened physically in your body you should be on thyroid therapy is it fixable without that maybe try all your options before you do that you don't know i mean you got you got you have to go through your 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 uh you know your lifestyle issues right so what is actually happening inside your body matters mentally and physically you, as a woman, are run on estradiol, progesterone. Well, thyroid's everybody. So thyroid, just throw it out the window. Everybody needs to have a proper working thyroid. If you don't, I suggest you get treatment. That's my opinion. If you can't fix it naturally, okay? No. Can't fix it naturally, get treatment because you're just going to live a better life. It's just going to be much better for you. But for you, as a woman, progesterone and estradiol are running your body, including your brain. Your brain works better with that. And all those hormones start up here, by the way. Mm-hmm. Intuitary hypothalamus, it all cascades down. So for men, testosterone. If I have low testosterone, I will start to have mental problems. You know, it, it may not be psychosis. It may not be depression, anxiety, but I will have brain fog. Same thing with females, you know? And for a woman, people forget that women have testosterone. Yeah. I don't know why this is such a thing that people don't understand. They're like, oh, women take testosterone. Yes, women have to have testosterone. You will not have a sex drive as a woman. You will not have uh, proper functioning sexuality as a woman if you do not have testosterone. You know, it also helps with muscle mass and fat loss and whatever, but those are side effects. The real thing is how your body's actually functioning. So people automatically equate these sex hormones like, oh, well, yeah, you're using hormones to lose weight or gain muscle or this or that. I'm like, listen, those are side effects. They're awesome side effects, but the real thing that's happening is the mechanism of action from your brain. All the way down, your body functions better when you have that hormone in you. It's just, it's just biology. It's not, it's not up for debate, right. you know. So when you have people that are doing this, like you know, uh, what we were talking about, getting your labs tested. Yeah, you want to test your testosterone. You want to test your pro- uh, progesterone, your estradiol, um, and for your thyroid, not just your TSH. That doesn't tell you anything. You need T3. You need T4. You need free T3. You need free T4. And you need a doctor who knows how to read those things, mm-hmm. right? sex hormone binding globulin, a massive one. People don't even know what that is, SHBG. What that does is it binds up to, to testosterone, especially in men. So if a man, man can have 2,000 level testosterone, if their SHBG is really high, what that's going to do is going to bind up your testosterone, your free testosterone is going to be next to nothing. So you're getting none of the benefits. Yeah. So these, are all, these are all things that people have no clue about. And the scary thing is that endocrinologists and urologists and gynecologists
0: I have no idea. Yeah. I'm like, You're it's, supposed to be the hormone expert. Crazy. It's crazy. And, you know, tying this into entrepreneurism, because it's so important, oh, yeah. is like even like the risks that we're willing to take, what we believe we're capable of, the The way that we feel, everybody knows, everybody that's listening to this knows what it feels like to wake up one day and feel like you could take on the world. And and that's what you're able to accomplish that day. Wake up another day and feel like you don't even want to get out of bed. Um, You know, those are extremes, but we've all felt some version of those extremes. So imagine how much more productive and effective you could be as a business owner, a salesperson, an entrepreneur, if everything worked right. The other thing that drives me so crazy is we live in a world that wants to preach personal responsibility, which is so important personal responsibility. And yet we're supposed to just hand over our most important aspect to somebody that doesn't feel the need to explain to us the way things work and what we should be looking for. Mm -hmm. Um, it just, to me, this is the fundamental conversation of controlling everything about the choices that you make. And so if you sit here and you say, God, this sounds real great, but my doctor won't do it. Like you make a choice to walk into that doctor's office every single day, go find a doctor that will work with you and support you. That's, I mean, you control your environment. You have to.
1: People don't realize this is out there though, you know, and people, Mm -hmm. people look at this and they're like, Oh, well, You know, what if insurance doesn't cover this? I said, a lot of times it won't because they don't find it medically necessary. The insurance companies and big pharma and big medicine, they're all the same people. It's all the same shit. You know, just
0: be honest. Insurance is outrageous. It's not what it used to be.
1: No. I tell everybody, I said, if you're still paying for traditional health insurance, I'll tell everybody. You can yell at me about it. I'm not an insurance expert, but I will tell almost everybody, have catastrophic insurance, get an HSA or FSA plan. Okay. So health savings account or flexible savings account. So your money goes in there for health coverage. It'll it'll pay for your health bills, but it's tax free. So your money is going in there tax free. And then you can use it pretty much at any health clinic, whether it's a normal doctor, whether it's a clinic like mine, and health insurance can't say shit about it. You can spend your money how you want to spend it. Yeah. You
0: no. Know, and side effect, Side note to this. This was so crazy to me. I'm sure there are other places where this exists. This is the only example that I know of. When I first started dealing with my mental health and and growth, which is where the decision to leave the um, attorney world full time came in, um, I was having panic attacks and anxiety attacks, and I ended up in therapy. And I remember like having this belief that therapists were going to diagnose me and every single or and were medicate me. So every mm-hmm. single therapist that I would call to make an appointment, I would say, listen, if we talk about medication on the first appointment, I'm out. Like, that's never the first answer for me. And I was so glad that I found a doctor that says I can definitely work with you on that. And also I'll need you to cash pay. And I said, explain that to me. And they said, if I want to get paid by the insurance company, I have to give you a diagnosis. So if How you don't want an that? official diagnosis, then you. I need you to cash pay and then we can talk about like what it is that's really going on, but I have to diagnose you with something to get paid by an insurance company. How scary is that? I it's mean, insane think about that, think about that. Think about
1: that. That doctor, I mean, kudos to that doctor, by the way. Kudos to that doctor or therapist, whatever he is, um, psychologist, psychiatrist. Who's a therapist, a
0: doctor, by the way? Yeah. So just to a make sure that yeah. I'm covered.
1: Yeah. So it's so a therapist. I mean, you know, but thank goodness that therapist said that and had the guts to say it because that's a gutsy thing to say in, especially in recent times. Right. Um,
0: And so we don't know where else in the world that fits, right? Like you might be going to your general practitioner and you're on insurance. So they're not going to give you a referral to a clinic like yours because your insurance isn't going to cover it. So people live not knowing that it's an option. So the, the only purpose of, I think, what what I'm saying and, and the purpose of this conversation in my mind is to help people understand that there are abundant amount of options for you oh, yeah. to consider when it comes to how to get the best information and the best data for your health.
1: It's so funny because people ask me to talk about my clinic and talk about what we do. And I'm like, you know, I, I never really want to. And it's a funny reason why I don't need more business. We have plenty of patients. Um, can I help more people? Sure. Am I opening more clinics? Absolutely. Uh, but I never, I've never advertised. I've never paid for advertising. Mm-hmm. It's all been word of mouth and it's all been organic social media. So, you know, people look at that like, well, you could be making way more money. That's not my prerogative. My prerogative is actually make an impact in the medical community and in the medical industry. So we can make a change and make more awareness of the fact that people have a choice in how they treat their health. Mm-hmm. So with clinics like mine, and I'm not the only one, there's plenty of great clinics out there. Uh, we are patient forward. If you go to a doctor, if you go to one of our doctors, one of our nurse practitioners, any of our providers, any provider that we have, whether it's a DO, MD, NP, doesn't matter. Anybody that can prescribe medication, you have a full hour with them. So you're getting more time with this practitioner than you probably ever have with any doctor in your life. Combined. Combined, right? You Usually it's, a, it's turn and burn. You're in there for five mm-hmm. minutes. Oh, you have this? Check, check. Here's your medication. Get the hell out of my office. Next, it's an yeah. assembly line of medication. So you have a full hour. We go over line by line, everything that is in that lab panel, which is more comprehensive than you likely ever had in your life. And then we say, here's your lab panel. Here's the suggestions. Here's what relates and correlates to what we're always going to suggest diet, exercise, obviously lifestyle things. Here's the hormone issues, depending on your age. I mean, if you're 25, we're going to tell you fix your lifestyle. We're not gonna we're not gonna want to give you medication if you're 45 if you're 50 we're gonna say listen lifestyle probably is not gonna fix At this point you're to the age group that it's not gonna fix our average patient age is 42 years old they're to that point right so we are going to tell them this is how you fix this this is how you fix that and then guess what we do
0: more labs
1: <laughs> no bye. Yeah. it's hi. it's goodbye right. it's here's the information
0: yeah you go do you, you can,
1: you can take it wherever you want. You don't have to go through us. We don't have to prescribe you. We are trusting that you have the information. Now, if you want to use us for your medication, if you want to use us for your treatment, you can. But you're not on the cuff. We're not charging monthly fees. We don't charge anything. We, You have 250 bucks. By the way, our, our initial cost is 250 bucks to see a doctor for an hour and for a full lab panel. It's cheap. This is not expensive shit.
0: You know? Yeah, I think it's things like this. Um, my doctor that I use is a concierge. She's mobile. She comes to you, um, which is fantastic. Um, it's a it's a membership type program that includes mm-hmm. unlimited calls with her throughout the month. Um, wow. It's it's things like this and people that are willing to think outside the box where entrepreneur mindset and the medical mindset are finally merging and coming together, that is going to be the only chance that we have of changing the medical mindset. Um, Like I said, you and I could talk about this forever. And also at the same time, I want to tie this into the people that are listening to this and going, I know that I'm capable of so much. Um, You have so many experiences in your past. You have the law enforcement, you have the relationship that you have with failure. You've got building these clinics and the social media and everything that you still have coming up in the future. What has your relationship been like with facing your own excuses? And what do you think are the biggest skills that you've gained from your past experience that helps you be successful now?
1: So I'm going to preface this with uh, telling everybody that I have the propensity for laziness. If you allow me to be lazy, which means if I allow myself to be lazy, because nobody can make me be lazy, but if I allow mm-hmm. myself to be lazy, I will be the laziest person you have ever seen in your life. I will not do anything. I am a master at procrastination. I can do. You it love the Oh, it's true, but it. But everybody is so self-conscious about that, and they're like, "Oh no, I don't procrastinate. Oh no, I don't. I'm not lazy. You probably are, you know, and it's okay." But the cool thing is that you don't have to be and you can change it. Mm -hmm. It's all literally a way that you shift your mind. And knowing that I have the propensity for procrastination and laziness, I don't allow myself to do it. So I stay wildly structured and wildly disciplined. Do I allow myself to have breaks? Absolutely. Do I go on vacations and let loose and not worry about it? Absolutely. I do it all the time. It's great. I've come to that place where I'm able to do this, you know, but Starting with that, what I tell everyone, and this is going to be in a book that I'm currently writing that'll be out in the in the future, probably towards the end of the year, beginning of next year, um, which is highlighting my journey from law enforcement officer to CEO. Um, the the title is going to be Leo to CEO. It's easy, you know. I love it. Perfect. So, so Leo to CEO is going to be my story from law enforcement into being a CEO of a company, and it's going to highlight what. I learned as a first responder, and what people can learn from being a first responder—military, police, fire, EMS—all of it. You know, what do I do on a daily basis as a cop? What what did I do? Well, I'm in a high stress environment. Well, entrepreneurship is all stress. So, you know, I'm not getting shot at. I'm not chasing people. I'm not doing anything. Not by
0: bullets. You're getting shot at by your own excuses every day, though.
1: Every day or or by massive problems that could mean major implications in your business for other people's jobs they're stressed. so you know what do you learn as a as a law enforcement officer i learned how to have stress management you know so i learned how to manage my stress very well after that what else am i doing i'm a basically a glorified clerk everything that i do every step that i take i have to write everything down i have to make reports right and i have to be so detailed while also being clear and concise,
0: that I can't get my client off when it comes time for the trial. So,
1: so I have to learn this. <laughs> so what do you do? What are you? You're all about data and business, and you're all about making sure that you're giving clear, concise information. So you can teach this to the rest of your staff as a, as a CEO, as a as a business person. Now let's talk about interpersonal skills. How many different communities have I impacted in law enforcement? I don't just talk to one community. I didn't just work in the suburbs with white communities. I worked in the black communities. I worked in the Hispanic communities. I've worked with the rich, with the very poor, with homeless. You talk to everybody a little bit different, right? You have to, what, the, what do they call it? A uh, code shift or something like that? Or, yeah. Um, yeah. So, so they talk about it in black community, you know, with having to talk to the law enforcement, but actually everybody does it. Mm-hmm. Everybody does it. Everybody talks to somebody a little bit different when they're in different environments. I could not talk to people. I did a video about this and people got really pissed off about it, but I did, I got, I did I did this where like I was on midnight shift working in a primarily black neighborhood. You talk a little bit different after a while. Okay. I got put on day shift for one shift and I went to the suburbs for one shift and I'm asking people where you stay at. at, You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm, I, I, the, you don't think about it. It's just part of the way you speak in certain communities. And I'm like, I'm sorry, what is your address, ma'am? You know what I mean? Like it's it's different, yeah. but I can't ask, what is your address, ma'am, in that other community? You no, they won't, tra-
0: tra- they won't
1: trust you. They won't, they will eat you a lot. It's you. <laughs>
0: so funny that you say that because I grew up in a super, super, super small town in Southern Idaho. We did not have any type of... um. The, there there was no like broad spectrum of no you know, minorities it was opportunities basically all... like i i think i had a mexican friend one day yeah. um yeah, like we're like, southern yeah. idaho it's it, you know so i decide i'm going to be this big bad attorney in las vegas and i come down here and i'm talking to my clients the way that i come from a customer service background and restaurants and you got to kiss their ass and the customer's yep. always right and I'm talking to a client like this and he's looking at me like, give me somebody who understands what's going on in this courtroom because it sure is fucking you with what you're talking to me. Yeah. And it became like my mom would hear me talk to a client while I was visiting home. She'd be like, you really talk to your clients like that? And I'm like, if I talk to them any other way, they're going to fire me.
1: Yeah. They they don't trust you because you yeah. don't know their language. And it is a language thing. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. It, it's, it, it's 100%. Like, they just want to know you get it. Right. And so, and that's me that's on the same side as them, supposedly. Sure. although. trust is, is broken for you where, you know, this is, I think one of the things that people don't understand is that the people you talked a little bit about, um, how becoming, how being a law enforcement officer right now was a hard job. And it is Mm -hmm. what's happening is that the people that are meant for it don't want to do it because it's so thankless. And then the people we get into it don't have the temperament for it. Um, but what we're fighting right now is a generational belief in different communities of the way that law enforcement has always acted. And I have a really good friend that I asked him why he left being law enforcement. And he says he pulled over a car of black teenagers, Mm -hmm. went up, all he wanted to make sure, similar to what you said earlier, is that they didn't have drugs and they weren't drunk. That was it, that's all he cared about. Showed up and this teenager in the back was like hyperventilating crying. And he says, "Are you okay?" And she's like, "Please don't kill me."
1: Oh, Jesus!
0: And he's like, "If that's the mindset that I'm fighting every single day, what chance do I have of making a difference here?" Yeah. So, on what you're saying, like you have to do whatever you can to build trust with them. Is that recent? Because they have a what's that? Is that recent? Uh, six, seven years ago.
1: So pre George Floyd, not yeah. not even post George. Okay, so that's yeah. interesting. I mean, but I in never- the South, Georgia. Okay, so I, yeah. I understand.
0: Yeah, like, but the reality is that we as salespeople, business owners, law enforcement officers, whatever it is, we don't, my least favorite phrase on the planet is treat people the way that they that you want to be treated. I don't give a fuck how I want to be treated. Treat them how they want to be treated because mm. the way I want to be treated is completely different. Sure. So I love that you brought that up because it's so important for us to say, how do you need me to talk to you right now? Because that's what I need to shift to.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's you know, and so learning all these things in law enforcement and learning all this, you know, learning how to communicate, learning how to learning how to report, learning how to uh, process information, you know, learning how to research information. I mean, you, you're a lawyer. You know how many laws there are. Yeah. Did you memorize the entire the entire uh, you know the entire legal code? No. You got to look it up. You got to learn how to research. You got to learn how to look up. No idea, story. right? Exactly. You have to learn how to research all these things. So think of all of this stuff. And people don't realize how much of their current career or job or even the most simple thing translates into being a boss of yourself. Right. Or being an entrepreneur or leveling up in a company or going to be a VP. Not everybody's going to be an entrepreneur. Not everybody can be the boss. Not everybody can be. Nor a...
0: should everybody. Thank you for exactly. saying that. Cause I feel like we're in an industry right now. Like this is what I don't like about my industry in business coaching is everybody's like, quit your job. Like make sure that, you know, you don't have any savings because that's just weak. Quit your job. You just start making sales. Not everybody's meant to quit their job. Like some people are meant to work in nine to five and thank God they are because if I have to do my own taxes, I'm going to cry. We, right?
1: we, need, we need employees too, not just employers. We need employees yeah. too.
0: But so I love is, that I, you said that, like find what works for you and go do it. Don't think that you've got to buy in because entrepreneur over the last, what, four or five, 10 years has just oh. become this fad that everybody thinks this will just be a cool thing to do.
1: I, I, I cannot, st- I never identified myself as an entrepreneur until I saw it for the first time. I don't even think I know what an entrepreneur was when I was in law enforcement. I never oh. heard the term. I'm like entrepreneur. I'm like business owner. You mean a guy, a person who owns a business, right? Yeah. Like the business owner. My my grandparents were business owners. My great grandparents were business owners. I've you know I'm, I'm probably third generation, uh, you know, quote unquote entrepreneur. But this new term has become a sexy fad word, right? Yeah, of course. That means to some people successful and free and all these things. Listen, you want to be the least free possible? Go be an entrepreneur. Start you your own business. Have- You want to have no vacations for years. You want to have no birthdays. You want to miss, you want to miss anniversaries. You want your wife or or husband or significant other to be pissed off at you. Yeah. Go be an entrepreneur. You'll learn really quick what it actually means. It's 530 right now. It's Friday. I had, you know, we're we're doing a podcast. I love this, but you know, all day I was supposed to have lunch with my significant other today. Guess what happened? I had to put out 90 fires before this podcast, (laughs)
0: And let happens. me let me tail end that by saying before somebody's like, well, then why the hell do you do it? Because the idea of working a 40 hour week for somebody else with them telling me when I have to be somewhere, where I have to be somewhere and what I need to do, I would rather have a root canal without Novocaine.
1: Well, you know, and I think it has to be what's your drive. Mm-hmm. Um, nobody talks about this. Nobody talks about what your driver is. If your driver is money. Go go do sales because you're gonna make the most money in sales in any industry on the planet. I will say a million times over. Nope, it's not doctor. Nope, it's not lawyer. Nope, it's not all these things. It's sales. Mm-hmm. You, know, you want to make a shitload of money? Go be proficient in sales. Yeah, don't
0: go to law school if you want a lot of money, unless you want to owe a lot of money because there's a
1: lot of money first. You may you may be one of that one percent that might make yeah. money eventually, right? Um, yeah,
0: No, but, sales is where it's at. And I wish I would have learned that I avoided sales for the first 35 years of my life.
1: It's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable to try to convince somebody to, to give you their money.
0: That's what it, they're doing. So it, crazy. Like, and, and it's really unfortunate when I look back, cause I grew up in the age of when Girl Scout cookies really had it hard because we had to go door to door. Now, granted I went door to door in a town of 1800 people. Everybody knew me, but, um, you probably a clean house. You probably will yeah. <laughs> Well, I didn't want to do it. So I was just like, screw it. I don't need this, right? But now I look back and I'm like, door-to-door sales is the most underrated learning opportunity because you want to be kicked down and told no and face rejection and realize like how to adjust and pivot door-to-door sales. Yep. My my brother quit a really good restaurant job to go sell pesticides door-to-door and I thought he was out of his mind. This is 2018 and I'm like, dude, this is a horrible idea. And he made like $150,000 $150, in like four months. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, never listen to me again.
1: Yeah. I mean, Ever. He's, some of these door-to-door salesmen, solar sales. Have you seen solar yeah.
0: sales? <gasps> oh my God. It's insane.
1: Savages, these guys are animals. I, yes. I saw these guys are walking up and down streets in Florida, and I'm
0: like, Holy shit, you guys are killing it, bro. Like insurance, too. Insurance, like, killing it. It's crazy. So, yeah, I mean, there's so much that you can do. My my biggest thing I want people to take away from this conversation is like your life skills are constantly teaching you things, and they're constantly preparing you for something in the future. So don't write off an employment opportunity because you've never done it before because chances are you've done it a lot. You just called it something else. Um, and then don't like put yourself in this box of what you think you should be. Right. I just, I, I love your journey for so many different reasons, but that's probably my favorite.
1: One of the b- biggest uh, terms that people need to learn, I think for 2024 and beyond is the term entrepreneur, not entrepreneur, but intrapreneur. someone that works inside of a business that is trying to grow themselves and grow that business and that can start at the bottom mm-hmm. you can be that person sweeping floors and you can expand and grow and okay you're sweeping floors you're janitor this day now you're front desk now you're security now you're this now you're eventually you get to vp right mm-hmm. you don't have to be the owner of the company some of the richest people on the planet were entrepreneurs not entrepreneurs they weren't the they weren't the founders they weren't the ceos they didn't develop the concept but guess what they did they worked from the inside of that company and they got stock options and they end up being co- some of the richest people in the world.
0: That, yeah, and I think one of the cool things that's happening with businesses right now and your proof of this from the way that your journey has happened is, and, and this is um, a product post-COVID has really made this a big thing because when the world shut down for COVID, co- corporations realized that they were overstaffed and that they did not need the amount of people that they needed. They right. also realized that, We didn't, they didn't need to be doing things in the traditional way. So if you value freedom, you can go find a job that's willing to pay you to work from home. If you value freedom, you can, you don't have to, um, that janitor, let's talk about that janitor for a second. If he had sales ideas, but didn't want to be VP, most companies now would find a way to say, you know what, you go bring more money in for us. We'll let you keep sweeping the floor and we'll pay you a commission. Like there's so many ways that things can be put together. If you have the creative mind to be willing to ask for it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's just putting yourself out there. People are so scared of failure and they're so scared of the idea of falling on your face and being told no. Uh, It's, it's, it's something that I think everyone needs to, understands the part of life. You're going to be told, no, you're going to fail. You're going to fall on your face. Uh, you know, Oh, get yourself, pick yourself back up. No, listen, that's, that's the easy part of it. Picking yourself back up is easy. It's pivoting. Mm. Pivoting is, is what you need to do with everything. You'll fall on your face all the time. If you fall on your face, that means you need to pivot. Okay. That means you didn't take the right step. That means you, you, you stepped in the pothole and you tripped. Okay. Pivot left, right, wherever you need to go, jump over, whatever it is. People don't think about everything in life and every problem as a pivot. I just had a huge pivot point in my industry and in my business just recently. And I was stressed for about three hours. Yeah. I slept, I slept, I woke up the next day and I'm like, I'm on point. I'm firing on all cylinders. Still, my staff and my and my C-suites and things like that, and the people that are in my higher, they're still stressed. And they're looking at me and I'm like, this is gonna be sweet. I'm like, we are gonna pivot so hard with this, and this is gonna make us grow in this direction. And thank God we did this. And everybody else gonna be left in the dust. Yeah. That's that's how my brain has to think. If it doesn't, I'll probably go insane. Yeah. I can't stress about this shit. I'm the leader. I'm the I'm the person who's supposed to drive this whole thing. So if I'm not driving, if my hands are not on the wheel, if my hands are like this, my hands in my face, you know, if my hands Mm -hmm. are like this, I can't steer the wheel. Can't steer the ship. True.
0: It's so true. Toma, you and I could talk forever about so many different topics. I love your energy. I love the synergy with the conversation. I appreciate your background as a law enforcement. Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. I I think that um, there's so much about you that I admire and I can just tell your true desire is just to help people. And that's so um, much in alignment with what I do and why I do what I do. If people are listening to this and want to follow up with you and continue a conversation, what's the best way for them to reach you?
1: You know, you can uh, find me on all social media platforms. It's uh, at Tomo Marjanovic, T-O-M-O, my last name's a mouthful, I know, M-A-R-J-A-N-O-V-I-C, tomomarjanovic.com. You'll find all the links to my different businesses. Uh, you guys will find ways to, if you want to consult with me, I do consulting services, very small amounts um, on an app called Manect. Uh, Manect.com. It's Patrick, but David's uh, consulting platform. You can you know, uh, find me on there. If you message me on social media, I'll probably eventually get back to you. Uh, but you guys can, you guys can always reach out. I love the comments, all the uh, interaction. You guys can watch me on my podcast, uh, Tomo Talks. And I'm on all podcast platforms and Tomo Talks on YouTube. Uh, we have our first episode coming out here in about a week.
0: Oh, it'll, be fun. Season,
1: it'll be season two. Uh, first episode of season two. I let the long form go for a little bit. and I'm back on the long form podcast. My podcast studio is right back here, right behind this wall. So this is my private uh, office. And I have my studio back there. I have a couple other offices with some staff, with some content editing and things like that. And uh, I love putting out information. All I wanna do is help people. All I wanna do is help the community. I love having conversations like this with you, Amber. Uh, This is really important stuff that people need to hear. I'm grateful that I was able to be a part of it. I appreciate your background. I appreciate what you're doing here. I appreciate your mission. Uh, So thank you for having me on.
0: Absolutely, thanks so much for being here. And for those of you that are listening, all of those links will be in the show notes so that you don't have to figure out how to spell his last name. So we will take care of all of that. Um, Tomo, thanks so much.
1: Thank you.